Pabucho da Matilda, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Turkish for his shoe has been thrown onto the roof. Hmm. Phrase everyone knows uh, yes. that is used to refer to someone who has been passed over in favor of another. Uh, there's a lot of that in Formula One, but there were perhaps some performances this weekend that uh, may have us thinking twice. Hmm? I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Fantastic. I love a Turkish race. Love a Turkish race at rain. What a fun time. Also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, I've never felt warmer, drier, and cozier uh, than after watching <laughs> that race from the comfort of my living room. Uh, if you are new new to this podcast, a very warm and cozy welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode that assumes no prior F1 knowledge and will help uh, get you up to speed on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 137. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What is going on this month, Danny? Um, I went to record the Turkish Grand Prix um, uh, race, the the track walks that I do for our video people. Um, I went to do it a little bit late and then panically realized that the video game does not have turkey. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, it was one of these tracks. So I didn't have time to put it together in, in a, another sim. Um, so apologies to our $10 patrons. As a make good, though, a lot of people were requesting this. I'm going to do the Senna DLC for Horizon Chase. Um, which is a kind of an arcade video game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that one up there along with all the rest of the uh, the track walks, the track guides. Um, yes, and of course, if you're one of our five dollar patrons, you'll be getting an exclusive podcast in just a couple of weeks. Uh, but massive shout out to all of our incredible title sponsors, including one new one. Uh, we have Will Romf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon. We gotta drink that bottle of wine, gents. That's it's that's right. of a car to wine. It's just sitting here <laughs> looking uh, at you. Reagan, Sniggs, Connor McManners, Joel Roberts, Jason, Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, BPM, who went for bland procession in the Mediterranean. Huh. In parentheses, in the. Drew Stewart, <laughs> Simon Villeneuve, uh, David Mule, Josh Haynes, Tractor Share, Gnarly Goat, Veal Shanks, and welcome to the class, everyone. <laughs> Iron Station Studios. Fantastic. I feel like uh, I feel like BPM is maybe realizing, um, or I don't know, maybe this is fun for BPM. But I remember uh, everyone <laughs> complaining at the Giant Bombcast when they switched to episode titles. Now having to come up with one every time instead of just incrementing the number. Thankfully, yeah. we on Shift F One have have a way of naming our stuff that does not require any further creativity. <laughs> um. Shall we just jump into the weekend, gents? Yeah, there there wasn't much pre-race news. I don't really think there's much post-race news on this one either, but <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in the race. Well, this is, I guess, a good as time to any to just cover that ha- that Hamilton penalty that he took that sort of informed qualifying, right? Uh, he yeah. ended up replacing the internal combustion engine uh, on his car, which is why usually when somebody mess ar- messes around with the, the power unit, they end up all the way at the back because the penalties stack. 
Um, and they just like run you all the way to P20 with the penalties. Uh, this was internal combustion engine, and apparently, it's not a surprise at this point in the season you got teams uh, like having to swap out components and eat that penalty. But what was interesting was Mercedes admitting that they're suddenly hearing a noise from their internal combustion engine that they don't recognize and they don't like and they don't know what it is. Um, the ghost of Nico Rosberg. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something. And it was fun seeing there was a Toto interview where he was talking about, you know, the other the other thing that's kind of uh, damnable about this is the fact that we're not going to use these engines next year. Um, so, like, this, this whole engine life cycle is coming to an end. So we kind of got to figure out what's going on now because it's not like we're redesigning this. Um, so that's... That's something to put a pin in because, like, it it contributes to Hamilton taking that penalty this weekend, but also like Merck are kind of sweating the fact that their engine now is doing something they don't recognize. Yeah, and uh, we should clarify that. Um, yeah, like you said, Rob. Usually, when they change a like the the, ter- the term engine is thrown around a lot, um, the more. Uh, strict words i guess are is power unit and power unit encompasses the internal combustion engine the ice um, along with all the hybrid stuff so like i think the battery is technically part of the power unit um the energy recovery systems that's all the power unit and so hamilton just changed his ice and other racers like Carlos Sainz and uh, Daniel Ricciardo did more to their power units as a as a whole, and so they and got Verstappen last week or last race yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they got um, uh, penalized further down the grid. So and, every, and everyone sort of assumed that might be the case with the timing for Mercedes, as well as the fact that Turkey is a fairly advantageous spot to do this because overtaking here not particularly hard. You wouldn't want to do this, for instance, going into Monaco. Right, and it's a Hamilton. Hamilton loves his track. Um, so does Valtteri, though. Sure does. So let's get to qualifying. Uh, kind of a fun qualifying session because it's a little wet to start, but drying uh, and changing conditions are always fun. Um, and there also might be more rain coming. Uh, so teams had to get their laps in as quickly as they could, uh, which gets especially worrying for Mercedes because Hamilton goes wide on his first run and has to do a recharge lap as the rain gets ever closer. So that was kind of dramatic. But in the end, he he does get through to Q2 in the scramble, though. So does Mick Schumacher. Mm. Um, Ricardo gets knocked out in Q1, which, as we mentioned, may have led to him taking some uh, power unit penalties because he was back there anyway. Uh, he'll joins Carlos Sainz, who, again, also took a new power unit, Hamilton. Um, will get uh, bumped down 10 places for his internal combustion engine change. Uh, so he'll need to get as high as he can. Uh, the rain doesn't really show up, and Hamilton gets as high as he can. He he goes fastest in qualifying, but will start the race from 11th. Valtteri Bottas went second fastest, but will start on pole. Uh, behind him, Max Verstappen in second. Charles Leclerc in third. Pierre Gasly in fourth. Uh, way to go, guys. Uh, Fernando Alonso in fifth, Sergio Perez in sixth, Lionel Norris in seventh, Lance Stroll in eighth, Yuki Tsunoda in ninth, and nice. Sebastian Vettel in tenth. Then we've got Hamilton, uh, Ocon, Russell, who was almost certainly going to get into Q3 again, but lost the car on the last corner oh, killer. of Q2. It really was. Uh, so he'll start 13th uh, behind him. Mick Schumacher, as mentioned, up into Q2. Nicholas Latifi 
in 15th, then Antonio Giovinazzi, Kimi Raikkonen, Nikita Mazepin, and then Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo with those engine penalties. Uh, should we get to the race, Danny? Sure. Uh, we're starting on a on a damp track. It's not raining so much, but it's yep. uh it's everybody on enters spraying. Yeah, everyone's on enters. Um, it's uh it's nowhere near wet race conditions, but it's you know everyone is assuming and hoping that they'll be able to uh find the gully and just drive around and make a nice dry patch, um, on the track. Uh, but yeah, lots of questions going into the first corner. Tire temps take a big hit in conditions like this. Obviously, grip levels with tie inter tires on what varying degrees of wetness and whatnot. Um, but all those things considered, it was a fairly clean uh, start for everyone. Um, Bottas had a good start and managed to sort of uh, secure the apex pretty easily. Verstappen did too. Um, I think the only real piece of action which was behind Leclerc was the, uh, you know, charging Fernando Alonso, who, as we all know, is a bit of a lap one demon. (laughs) We tend to look at the charts after the races and go like, oh, my God, he made up six places on the first turn. Um, He was in a great position uh, to, to do just that again this time around, but unfortunately became the sort of wayward piece of bread on the edge of a F1 race car sandwich where you had Pierre Gasly trying to defend against Sergio Perez overtaking around the inside of turn one um maybe went a little bit too wide in so doing and Alonso who probably should have just taken the escape road on turn <laughs> as one. is his want yeah <laughs> um well there is none here actually it's very slippy out on that thing but in any case he uh, he tries to go around the outside Gasly tips uh, his front left and Alonso goes spinning and ends up um not at the back he actually got back on pretty fast but um he loses a bunch of races, you know, basically ruins his race on the first turn. Yeah, and uh, Gasly was given a five-second penalty for that, which to me, I don't know. What do you guys think? That, that seemed like a lap one racing incident to me because everybody's really close and it's wet. And I don't yeah. know. It, it looks, it didn't look intentional, but they the stewards called him wholly to blame. Quote, this is from Autosport, it should be pointed out that the stewards do not consider this incident as an unavoidable as an unavoidable lap one turn one contact between two cars as Gasly was not sandwiched between two cars when he touched Alonzo's car. I don't Robbie, look get suspicious. it. It's, this is one of those, th- this is one of those rollings. Like I saw that and I was like, but we saw Sergio. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things where maybe at the moment of contact, he's no longer sandwiched because at this point, the thing's kind of unfurled across the corner, but like, when he has to sort of stick in his line, uh, he did have the inside closed off. He couldn't confidently crank it over more to make the turn because Sergio's there. Uh, now, I do think on the flip side, you can see Gasly's helmet. He is watching uh, He is watching Alonso the entire time as he goes out and makes that contact. Like, mm-hmm. his, his head is constantly turned out to the right, looking to the outside. So, like... You could argue that like he was more aware of where Alonzo was and didn't take any evasive action. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not sure I like that this is one we needed a ruling on. Um, it's very might, funny I that might, Alonzo pushed for this. I, I might think it's the opposite, actually. Um, the onboard for me for Gasly, he is looking at Alonzo the whole way up until turn one, but then while he's actually making the turn, he's looking left. Um, and he just didn't turn very much. Like, I, like mm. I, I, I think... 
I think a, a, a more, I don't want to say a more skilled driver, but I think a, a different driver in that scenario would have gotten through um, without without hitting Alonso. I don't, th- to me, I, I you know, I, I kind of at the time was thinking, ah, wet weather and start of the race and three cars wide on a turn, like it's, who's who's going to be to blame? But like when I watched the onboard of Gasly, I'm, I think if we had like a camera on turn one looking straight down, it wouldn't look great for him. Because yeah. he does he does leave there's more space between him and Perez after he touches Alonso than than at the start you know what I mean he he does drift that way but but yeah ultimately I I I think a penalty is a bit at least it was only five seconds if it was ten or something worse I'd be like oh that's ridiculous but five I'm like uh, maybe maybe yeah after the race he says uh, this is Gasly speaking in a quote from race fans uh, to be fair for me I don't really know where else I could have gone but it's a tricky one it's turn one obviously there's a high chance that something happens I don't want to be involved in any sort of crash that would ruin my race so I just tried to stick within between these two cars Uh, but yeah I didn't have much space so but yeah five second penalty given to him shortly thereafter though speaking of Alonso uh when he drops all the way down the 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 order he ends up near the the Haas cars and uh does the same thing that Gasly did to Mick <laughs> Schumacher it spins him out uh <laughs> with far less excuse that I was like it's very funny that he was immediately like do you see what he did and then <laughs> right. like literally like I'll show you what he did <laughs> yeah it was it was not a great moment for Alonso <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do, eh? (laughs) Right. He also gets a penalty, right? Yeah, he got got another five seconds, yeah. Yeah, okay. Then Schumacher did it to who? It's like a game (laughs) of tag or something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so aside from that, a pretty pretty, um, normal-looking start. Uh, Lap six, though, among his first of many overtakes of the day, signs... Uh, gets by Russell for 14th mm. around the outside of turn three. Um, that Ferrari engine, I'll just say here, looks to be <laughs> a, quite an improvement uh, because this is one of the most interesting parts of this race, watching Carlos Sainz climb up through the field. Yeah, it was Sainz. I, like, around this time in the race, you were kind of lo- having a look at, obviously, Hamilton making his way back yeah, He's up also through. on an overtaking show. Yeah, you know, getting back into his where he would be in race position. But yeah, Sainz has been fun to watch for the past couple of races. He's, you know, whether or not it's the improvements to their Ferrari, because obviously Declare did really well in quali as well and is holding his mm-hmm. own up in third. Whereas you kind of feel at the start of the season, a Leclerc in third would kind of be dropping back by now, you know? Yeah. But they've, they've you know, whether it's the, the car or the drivers or both, they are a different team at the moment. Yeah, wet weather also. Uh, yeah. maybe playing a part here, but, um, yeah, as we, as we said, Hamilton is also trying to, uh, put on an overtaking clinic, but unfortunately he finds himself mired behind Sunoda, who's in eighth place. Um, I think this might have been Hamilton's great... hardest job the entire day, actually. Yeah. yeah. He puts up a great defense, uh, for a few laps, but Hamilton eventually does get by him on the outside of turn three, um, asked by race fans, whether Sonoda enjoyed his duel with the seven time world champion. Sonoda said, quote, I don't care much to be honest. Um, I want Max to win. It's the last year of Honda with Red Bull as well. I tried to hold Lewis as much as possible. I don't know how many laps I was trying to save more, but I couldn't. Poor Yuki. He had a... Interesting interviews at him before the weekend as well, talking about how lonely he felt this year. 
you know, mm. w- being away from everyone. And he's like sad that the Honda guys won't be around next year because they make the only good Japanese food on the grid, apparently. <laughs> like he goes and has lunch with them a lot or whatever. And uh, uh, apparently he was talking about like, you know, trying to make friends and hang around people. And who's the person who's giving him the most support? Alex Albon. Aww. He's just a nice guy who was in a similar spot, you know? Um so uh yeah, I felt bad for him. It should have been Suzuka this weekend too. So, you know, I'm sure you know that we saw it with the Red Bull liveries, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, you know, really just saluting Honda. Um so yeah. I like Yuki a lot. He's just I want him to I do well. He's been dealt yeah. such tough tough hand too. Yeah. Yeah, he he doesn't have a great race. He um like Aside from this, I, I really enjoyed watching him defend um, from Hamilton, but uh, he he has a spin later, and I don't think he never came um, to grips with the that off camber turn uh, on, on on the track. Um, yeah, like and a lot of people struggled with it, uh, where the track sort of falls away from you as you go right. Uh, Button's commentary is really good; like he like gave you a real good sense of why people kept doing it, which is mm, right. they kept making their standard like correction for uh starting to lose grip like that but because of the camber different like the, because it's off camber it exaggerates the correction and so oh, people lose it on the bobble uh which was interesting uh is this turn two i think or so or is it just a little because it's yeah a little corkscrew sorry yeah. I, I couldn't remember saying that that's really cool um but yeah, it, it looked harder than I expected for Hamilton to pass Yuki. So he he's got a long way to go before he can catch uh, Verstappen, who's sitting in second place. Yeah, that's that's really his his target. Um, the other thing looming over this is again rain. It's not really actively raining, but there is a threat of more in the early race. Uh, but that never really appears ex- except for some drizzle. Uh, but it also doesn't seem to be drying very fast uh, on the track. So the question becomes, do you, A, make it a one-stop and put on fresh intermediates, uh, B, hold out until it looks dry-ish and put on some slicks, uh, or C, do a zero stop and go the whole way on the intermediate tires you started on? I was thinking Which is the this. only scenario in which you're allowed. You're not, you know, on, oh, any wet, basically, for those who are new to the sport. You generally have to wear two sets of compounds, but if it's a wet race conditions, which also intermediates is part of that, then there is no requirement to do that. So technically, you could do an entire race on one set of tires. That is incredibly difficult to do. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, I was also thinking about like I can't I can't think of many races where the track never dries, but it's not raining. Like it was such yeah. a weird set of conditions where like. The water didn't go anywhere. It would get blown up by the inners, and then it would settle back down on the track. But like the the like humidity and temperature were just perfect to make make it so that the track never dried. And it was one of those confounding things I've ever seen. Uh, it's so strange. Tur- Turkey also tends to have like the river problem, where like parts of the track re-wet other parts of the track. I'm not sure if that was the case this year, but maybe, who knows, maybe the conditions of this track as well a year later from last year, because last year was just like an ice rink, right? So maybe some element of that contributed to it as well. But it was really funny, wasn't it? You're just waiting to see the dry patch. And it just yeah. never happened. It was like a video game, you know, where you're like, oh, we didn't put we didn't put drying into the game. So <laughs> it's just going to be wet the whole time. Yeah, and it throws a lot of strategies out the window. So it was it was interesting to see teams kind of contend with this. 
Um, by lap nine, Carlos Sainz has already made it past both Alfa Romeos and then sends it down the inside of Ocon at the end of the back straight for 11th. Uh, another interesting thing, I don't I don't think DRS was ever turned on. Yeah. Which sort of, uh, you know, what if, what if we didn't have DRS? Well, you kind of get a race like this, I guess. Um, and then two laps later, he tries the same thing on Vettel, but slides just a little and bangs wheels with him. Mm. Uh, both of them luckily escaping damage. And then lap 15, Hamilton gets by Gasly for fifth place, much more straightforward move than, uh, than on Sonoda. And then by lap 34 is right behind Sergio Perez in fourth. So with 24 laps remaining, Hamilton is within reach of minimizing uh, the loss of championship points to Verstappen. Yeah, it took so, like 20 laps to close up that eight seconds. It was, uh, yeah. you know, the, and Ferris is going to make himself as wide as possible. He, he's not had a great season. He wants to get as many points as possible for constructors. He wants to play his part for the team. Um, so, yeah, obviously he wants to try and protect Max as, as long as he can, especially as we're going into the tire strategy pit window and nobody really knows what anyone else is going to do it's true um uh, i've got some notes on this next action but uh does anyone else want to take it rob do you want to take this move uh this sequence it, but it's less a move right it's oh you it's said sequence yeah yeah no, no sorry no, no, the no. sequence the, oh the sequence. perez hamilton uh, yeah. end of lap whatever it was yeah i mean it's um I think someone else can take because, like, I, I remember it, but I don't know how all, all the track position, uh, like, okay. at command. I can um, I can give it a go. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, getting down, like you were saying, the DRS zone on the back straight perhaps would have made this a moot point, but we kept having uh, the fun battles that I talked about last week. Remember in those last couple of turns that happened where you had drivers, uh, this is where Leclerc famously went wide and uh, on the last lap and, and let uh, Vettel get his first podium for a while. Um so getting down into that, they're basically neck and neck going into the into the first of those whatever two I guess corners. Um, yeah, thanks to the straight, Hamilton kind of slingshots around the outside. But but Perez keeps to the inside and and defends pretty hard. And and they're again basically side by side going into the penultimate corner. And then Hamilton did the Hamilton thing, which is that he just doesn't leave any space on the outside <laughs> in a in a part of the track where. Maybe it's not the fastest part, so it doesn't look like he's driven someone off the track, but like he wants you to sit back. You know, Alexander Albon was the recipient of this type of uh, treatment in the past. Um, I mean, luckily, Danny, there's, there's track there. So there's the, that, there's the- <laughs> this is very tricky. So yeah, very sneaky, I'll say, of Hamilton. Uh-huh. So he, he basically leaves no space, but the entrance to the pit lane is right there uh, with a little little bollard sticking up, so, so, you know, to delineate that this is not necessarily somewhere he should be racing. So he forces Perez. Perez sees the bollard, drives around the bollard, re-enters, and then takes the inside line. Uh, and they're almost again side-by-side side going down the start-finish straight. But Hamilton basically pushed him off the track into, <laughs> into the pit lane. And they know what the pit lane looks like. You know, it's not like... Oh, I forgot that wasn't real part of the track. They're not looking down at the tarmac. They're looking up and they can see the bollard and they can see. Hey, the- man, you, you're racing until you're in the pits. It's wild. It's so <laughs> wild. So I think it's probably as good a thing as any for Hamilton that by the time they got down to the uh, the the end of the star finish straight, that Perez did manage to keep his position out of turn one because otherwise he has to get a penalty for that, right? I don't. I don't know. Um. 
nothing nothing happened <laughs> i i am curious I, what would have happened if he'd sealed it there like you certainly would have heard red bull on the radio uh yeah. to the stewards i don't know what the uh rule there is because i don't know it's like it's not like he used so it's not like perez used the pit lane to go racing he's went around the baller being forced wide um and there was plenty of space there uh, like you know what I mean? Like Hamilton left surface. It wasn't like the the wall was right there. So I think it's a real gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, did I'm glad we got the duel. Yeah, yeah. it's it's now, between that, this and the Alonso thing last week. I feel like they're gonna have to add a couple of paragraphs to the rule book. <laughs> yeah, I I did enjoy that that final drag race down the down the straight. Um, yeah, but uh, as you mentioned, Danny Perez had the had the inside of the next left-hander and uh, kept that line. Which, and despite I, I, the wet track, I, I, like kept it kept it clean and on the road through turn one and success, successfully defended the position. Uh, but again, if we had had DRS at that point, it would have been really interesting because it was side by side. Like in that scenario, does somebody drop back, right? If, the, if we had DRS and they were side by side yeah. going through those turns, does Perez hang back so he can get the detection point that he's behind Hamilton so he can get DRS down the straight. It's so interesting Wait, how that Hamilton changes everything. I think Hamilton has done that before. I, I mean, yeah, right. I'm sure that if you're just not, you don't think you're going to make it well, on pace, right? You just kind of sit back to take a uh-huh. different line as well. Perez did that at Monza, so, right? And was criticized for giving a position back uh, right before a DRS detection <laughs> zone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then just like zapping yeah. the guy. I forgot um, about that. Well, the other thing, uh, as long as people talking about this, so he, they do basically win. Uh, they win a racing for pinks quarter mile, uh, and <laughs> and this is where like Hamilton kind of comes out ahead in this duel. But like this season, it looked like Red Bull clearly had the better car. Uh, they were better in um, like I want to say they were, they were they were better in slower sectors uh, than the Merc was. Like they had a cornering advantage and. They'd actually made some engine gains uh, that made it look like they were pretty even, if not ahead, on uh, on speed with the Mercedes. And remember, Hamilton, one of the weird reasons for his longevity is was running a massive downforce package uh, like on the grid. And so he should have been notably uh, draggier than the other cars. And he didn't look slower. And so I saw some people coming out of this race feeling like there's probably some alarm bells ringing at uh red bull right now because Mm. it looks like some of the things that made it look like you know if the state of play that existed back in like june maintained that they would just kind of end up walking to the championship that may no longer hold um so hamilton being able to eke out this this drag race on the merits uh at this point in the race could be somewhat concerning for uh where red bull stands uh you know vis-a-vis mercedes yeah yeah, and they're definitely going to need uh, a tail gunner if Verstappen is going to win the championship. And Perez, I think, puts in a, a pretty good performance here as well as giving this race a much sh- and much needed shot of excitement. Uh, speaking of Verstappen, lap thirty-seven, he's the first of the front runners to pit, and the team does such a fast stop that it impresses a cameraman. Yeah, he uh-huh. does a little bit of a fist like, pump kind of. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm. good job. Uh, Botas uh, and Perez pit a lap later. Botas from first, Perez from fourth, uh, leaving Leclerc to inherit the lead. Uh, Vettel also pits around this time and takes yeah. option B, <laughs> taking yeah. a gamble 
on slick tires. Chaos Vettel. What a what a hero. He's like, you know what? This is a 5% chance. Sometimes you just got to roll. But also, <laughs> gotta, yeah. he came out on the mediums, right? I didn't imagine that part yeah. either. Right. Where, not so like, Not only does he go to slicks, he doesn't even go to the softest compound. Uh, He's not that sure. <laughs> he wants to win this race. It's so weird. <laughs> and the thing is, like, it seems like one of those just bad on its face ideas but who knows you know maybe maybe like these conditions are such that this could work and my god he can barely nurse that thing around the track at all bambi poor bambi trying to get across that lake oh it's awful awful he, he was like, so slow like, <laughs> the cameras aren't even looking at him but all you see on the on the uh, on-screen display while they're following one of the leaders is yellow flags popping up in the, all the sectors and <laughs> I you're think like, button oh. even says like that's probably for Vettel." <laughs> yeah. well uh, that's the, like the 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 rate at which cars were overtaking him was just staggering oh. i was like man if he gets lost in a like bank of mist at some point something real ugly <laughs> could happen it was like Norris last week, wasn't it? It was just like, oh yeah. You just see the disparity. You you don't get it. You don't really get a, a, you know, a flavor for just how, you know, essential intermediate tires are or wet rain tires, wet weather tires are every once in a while until you have the A B test happening right in front of you. And oh my god, I felt I just felt so bad for him. I was like, I'll oh, just pull into the pits and retire. Like just <laughs> retire from the race. <laughs> don't not, don't retire. You know, I saw an interview with him where where he said like that it was it was a risk that he and the team decided to run together, but he was the deciding vote to be like fuck it, mm-hmm. let's do it. And I think mean, this is again one of those demonstrations of when you are in a disadvantaged situation, like in terms of car performance, you start making counter strategy choices just to yeah. try something different. And a lot of times that makes you look like an asshole. And I think that happened here where, like, he barely made it back into the pits, right? You saw that, like, last-minute bobble where he nearly wedges it in the pit entry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he damn near ever given to that thing uh, on, a, on his way back for the, uh, for the inters. But it is, you know, it's worth noting, the inters switch was really tricky. I think he'd already seen at this point people going out of the new inters. Like Ricardo may have been the first one uh, when they asked yeah. him, "Like, do you feel you'd be way faster on on new inters?" And he was like, "Yeah, I would." And then he was not. Yeah. Um, and again, like Button's commentary is really informative here. Um, that the wear pattern on the inters in these conditions is unusual, where you come out real fast and then you have a steep fall off, uh, where like the tire is not performing well at all. And then it has this long stable uh, part of the curve where mm. wear and performance are really consistent, but that Valley is really deadly. And so you end up losing a lot of ground once you fall into that Valley. And that was a thing we saw borne out again and again, and it made the cost for switching higher, right? Initially you would lose mm-hmm. ground after your switch, after that like brief window of high performance wore off. Um, you would you'd be really vulnerable, and I think this is making the 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 options trickier for people as they're considering when to stop. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, they call that the graining period, um, which mm. you'll hear even even for slick tires as well. Um, so yeah, the uh, at at the front, the order is this: Leclerc in first, who has not stopped. Botas has one stop. Verstappen has one stop. Hamilton in fourth has not stopped. And then Perez in fifth with one stop. Uh, Leclerc then asks if he can stay 
with this set of tires to the end to which his team responds yeah you can but he's only five and a half seconds ahead of botas on lap 41 with 17 laps to go so that would be a gamble mm. Uh, Hamilton, as it turns out, is wondering the same thing. His team tells him on lap 42 to pit, and he asks why, which, you know, is a reasonable question since he's still doing decent lap times. Um, he, the, uh, his race engineer, Peter Bonington, responds, new inter is the way to go under threat from Gasly, meaning that if we don't pit now, we'll come out behind him. Uh, Hamilton says, I don't think it is, man, so he stays out. Um... Botas, though, having caught up to Leclerc by lap 47, goes for the pass on the start-finish straight, and Leclerc doesn't really fight it. Yeah. Leclerc is in a similar position as Hamilton, um, though one thing they may also be considering is if the track magically dries, uh, they could then go on to slicks. So that's the other thing here. We People still don't... They still think it might dry, and it, you know, they don't want to go on to intermediates and then have it dry and then have to go on to slicks, right? Um. Hamilton, who's running in third, does eventually pit on lap 51 and comes out in fifth ahead of Gasly. So now he has seven laps to get past Perez and Leclerc on those new tires before he reaches Verstappen, uh, which is a tall order. Yeah. Especially because on the same lap, Perez is fast enough to overtake Leclerc in the same spot he defended from Hamilton. Uh, This time, late on the brakes on the outside to seal that deal uh hamilton reaches you kind of feel though at this stage like they're not racing verstappen anymore you know what i mean like hamilton maybe thinks he is but the way it's just damage limitation kind of yeah it you know it's just like yeah let's not drop too many points against people like gasly or norris you know what i mean like maybe let's try and get ahead of perez yeah so hamilton reaches leclerc a lap later and is still angry about the pit stop saying (laughs) um to uh to bono why'd you give up that space to which bono responds uh, it looks like we were going to lose position anyway Uh, um he also complains a little bit about the graining that rob mentioned uh and it it like you said rob it, it it gets bad and then it gets better hamilton's were bad right when he needed them to be good so if he had pitted earlier they would have been good by now he says uh after the race is from autosport Quote, I think probably in hindsight, I should have either stayed out or come in much earlier. Because when you come in with eight laps to go, you don't have time to go through the graining phase of the tire on a drying track. So then I went through this whole sliding phase where I nearly lost four positions. Uh, A bit frustrating, but it is what it is. So the question becomes, had Hamilton stayed out, would he have been overtaken by Perez and Leclerc? Toto Wolff thinks so. Um, So why not pit and try to attack Leclerc with new tires? That way you don't have to risk also Hamilton's tires exploding and getting zero points in this championship fight. Quote, uh, this is from Sky Sports. Yeah, DNFing and you losing all the points. That is ob- <laughs> obviously catastrophic. It just sounds very Total Wolf. Uh, he would have been caught up by Perez and Leclerc in any case if we would have tried to stay out. So that would not have worked. The conservative play pitting early on track behind Perez and Leclerc and trying to overtake probably the best. But the probability uh, was not the right thing to do. Uh, meaning, I guess, the gamble of staying out was not the right thing to do. Well, Ocon uh, did stay and, out. Um, that's right. And so he's so, the only driver who went the entire way on one set of enters. And he barely held on to it. What was it? P10? Uh, yeah. And barely held on to it because that last lap, 
he was four seconds slower in a single lap than Giovinazzi behind him on uh, fresh enters. So, like, now you'd say, Hamilton, probably a better driver than Ocon. Okay. Um, maybe that wouldn't have happened to him. But, like, yeah, by the end where, uh, he, you know, Ocon's just nursing these things. I think probably my instinct is Mercedes is right that he would have just started hemorrhaging positions uh, mm-hmm. if he had stayed out there. If not, just having the tire explode because he'd worn down uh, to the actual like physical construction of the tire past all the rubber. Here's what concerns me. Um, we had a question last week about like just something seemed off about Hamilton. Multiple times this season, he has seemed to lack situational awareness um, in the car. And part of me is wondering, like, has his style either changed where he's just, like, so in the zone that he's almost, like, just one with the car, kind of tuned out of a lot of, like, state of play stuff? Or is because of, like, the post-COVID shit that we know he's been dealing with, is it so much more taxing that he is more is being taken out of him to manage the car uh, and there's less bandwidth for him to sort of stay up on what is happening around him because like just in this one race what was it after he finished uh p1 uh in in qualifying they get on the radio to congratulate him and his first question is are we done um which is a weird question to ask like yeah we're we're done that was the last that was the end of q3 but he's he's kind of like taken aback by that Hmm. um and he doesn't hear them tell him tell him that when they call him in, when they when they finally put their put, foot down and say, come in, because uh, this is the last opportunity, we're safe to Gasly. He goes, okay. And it, he doesn't clock the fact that they said Gasly. Not Perez, but Gasly two positions behind. Uh, so, it, like, they were saying there are communication issues, which which is true. Like, they didn't give him the full, like, brief on what their thinking was re- with regards to strategy. But at the same time, like, they were giving him information. He wasn't processing it. Um, and so, like, you know, he's still he's still an extraordinary driver. He's still doing great things with the car. But some of these communications issues also seem to be stemming from the fact that, like, Hamilton is having a harder time keeping the race state in mind uh, when he's behind the wheel now. Yeah. Uh, Formula One actually has on their YouTube channel um, a good uh, recap of mercedes and hamilton's radio communication um Mm -hmm. throughout these uh you know tumultuous laps so i will link that in the show notes if you want to get a a full picture of what happened there um but in the end hamilton cannot get by leclerc and uh nobody can get by botas who wins handily 14 seconds ahead of verstappen um and then sergio perez getting that double podium for red bull um I mean, he's already been signed for for next year, but uh, uh, it's probably increasing his stock a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Claire comes home in fourth. Great for Ferrari. And then Lewis Hamilton in fifth loses eight championship points to Verstappen. Uh, And then Pierre Gasly holds on to sixth place. And behind him, Lando Norris, we haven't talked at all uh, about in this race. We didn't really see him very much. He just kind of came home for a lonely seventh. Uh, and then Carlos signs, making it up to eighth after starting 19th. Interesting to contrast that with Ricardo, who finished uh, in 13th place. Mm. Uh, Lance Stroll in ninth and Esteban Ocon in 10th. Again, the first time someone has 
not done a pit stop in 24 years. Wow, really? Jalopnik, yep. That's incredible. Uh, he says, quote, a few more corners, I think, and the tires would have exploded. Well, we almost had it at Spa. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. I think <laughs> but they, I think they probably could. They were, does the red flag count? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe a full race doesn't, it doesn't count because it wasn't a real race. You're right. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi in 11th. Um, Ocon may not have gotten points if Giovinazzi had listened to his team. Apparently, Raikkonen, who was right behind him, was much faster, and Giovinazzi was told twice to let him by, oh, but boy. he didn't, and Giovinazzi finished one second behind Ocon. Yikes. Gio- yeah, yep. Giovinazzi knows he's not staying around next year. Like, Guess if so. ever there was a, a, you needed to see the the proof. There's a lot of speculation that he had. He says he hasn't been told either way, but there's a lot of speculation that he's been he's been told, but isn't allowed to say publicly. So that sure uh-huh. sounds like a uh, he joined the Great Resignation uh, with <laughs> <Exactly>. that move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, behind him, Kimi Raikkonen, then Dan- Daniel Ricciardo, Yuki Tsunoda in 14th, George Russell, Fernando Alonso, Nicholas Latifi, Sebastian Vettel finished eight. And then we've got Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Uh, Botas also uh, scored an additional point for setting the fastest lap of the race. And that's Turkey. How was it? Any, stick, a, uh, stick a fork any post in race? It's, <laughs> that's right. It's done. Thanksgiving coming up. Happy yep. uh, Canadian Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Oh, is Canadian. it Canadian Thanksgiving? Was it this weekend? Yeah, it was wow. this week, yeah. Uh, any final post-race thoughts or news, Danny? Very glad that the North American leg is coming. These 5 a.m.s are ruining my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, final thoughts on Turkey? I can't be dealing with it. <laughs> uh, I it's in, it wasn't an action-packed race, but it was a really fun one because there was so much uncertainty and it felt like... Yeah all those cars were skating at times. Uh, and so this is kind of a good example of like, there, there there were some decent duels, but actually sometimes F1 gets really interesting just when conditions are so treacherous that it's a bit like uh, you're watching a rally where it's like, who, who here is going to make the, the fewest fatal mistakes uh, over the course <laughs> of this race? Uh, so I dug it a lot. Yeah, it's I think it's what I would call um, a strategy race mm. where... Um, yeah, maybe not as flashy as other ones, but there was, there were things to like. Um, so let's run down the driver standings after this round. Max Verstappen is on top, as mentioned, with 262 and a half points to Lewis Hamilton's 256.5. Yep. (laughs) Might come down Uh, to the half. Well, actually it won't, I guess. (laughs) because they both have one yeah uh voucher botas is in third with 177 points then lando norris in fourth with 145 sergio perez has 135 now after his podium might come down to a half look at this one this one might yep uh carlos Sainz has 116 and a half to charlotte claire's 116.0 daniel Daniel Ricciardo is in 8th with 95, Pierre Gasly with 74, Fernando Alonso in 10th with 58. Then we've got Ocon with 46, Vettel's got 35, Stroll with 26, Sonoda with 18, Russell is in 15th place with 16 points, Nicholas Latifi has 7, Raikkonen with 6, Giovinazzi with 1, then Schumacher, Kubica, and Mazepin all have 0. 
The constructor standings are very interesting because uh, Red Bull is not on top there. Mercedes is with 433 and a half points. Red Bull's got 397 and a half. McLaren's in third with 240. Ferrari's got 232.5. Then a big jump down to Alpine in fifth with 104. Alpha Tauri's got 92. Aston Martin with 61. Williams with 23 points. Alfa Romeo has seven. And Gene Haas and team zero. Uh, all right. Let's take it to the news, shall we? Sure. Danny, why don't you kick us off with uh, some, some calendar talks? Yeah, well, we talked about it last week about the the absolutely insane twenty three race calendar that we are uh-huh. here is to talk about twenty races. Oh my god, twenty one races! What? Um, and uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, there was a little bit of chatter about it on the uh, in the media days about you know how the teams might do with this. And there's a couple of quotes from Franz Tost, uh, <laughs> who, who I don't know, man, maybe he just doesn't like his family life or he really loves to travel after COVID. But uh, he thinks if you don't want to, if you don't want to fly around the world twenty three times a year, you should find another job. Uh, he says uh, for engineers it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but also, if I remember back in former times, they had to go after a race weekend to tests, which means that they also had to work there. So back in my day, Drew, we didn't have these break weekends. We had to do testing every other week of the year. Um, uh, he says, I think we all should... Be- oh, sorry. And then there was another quote just to, to offer a little bit of a alternative um, uh, insight into this particular uh, um, issue. It was... I think it was... Ot- Zafnar. I think it was Zafnar. I should probably make sure I have the right person before I give them a quote. Um, uh, I think we should all be happy that we are in a position to be in Formula 1 and have 23 races. And if someone doesn't like it, then they should go. Oh, sorry, that was tossed. Um, Zafnair did was saying alternatively that it does seem like quite a lot and that they will be providing uh, mental health, uh, 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 a traveling doctor um, and checking in on people's mental health next year um, with the 23 races. So at least, at least Zafnair is making sure that they, they, they can... This, I don't know. <laughs> is that not like the dark side of mental health discourse where it's it, like yeah we know you're being overworked and you are not so, getting to spend time living your life with your family but we're going to bring in a mindfulness consultant to help you process those feelings <laughs> it is shit. the amazon like mindfulness <laughs> isolation booth of of F one, like, I get um, it's better than nothing, but I do think like, and God, I I don't know who I who I saw uh, talking about this might have been might have been Safnauer, but but basically the idea being, ideally, what you'd be doing is you'd be having rotations uh, that you would have like people rotating onto the travel team and rotating off of it, um, and yeah, I think the responsible thing, as is true across a lot of the economy, right? You start moving toward a a less work time, four day work week type system for a thing like this so people have time to spin down relax like recover and then come back on it does not sound like they're making those provisions proactively though right they're they're putting the the cart way ahead of the horse of how many how many races can we physically cram into a calendar year uh and then we'll figure out how these people can deal with it and that's going to fall real unevenly because like if you work for a toss the answer is 
what you don't love racing enough which is not surprising like this is always who toss has been like two years ago he's making a comment of like a weekend where you're not racing is a weekend weekend wasted which i get and i and i love the spirit but like if that's your boss with the power in 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 the team uh i would not expect you're going to get great treatment uh in terms of handling these things because the guy at the top feels that it should come with the territory it's just such an intense job like like i Everything about it, like the travel, but obviously, like just the moment to moment of working in any of these teams. Like, even if you're in the marketing department, you're, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no easy gig here. Um, so yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Cause it's not, the other thing is, it's not a young person's game. Like, experience is super important in this type of industry. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you could just, like, you know, get a, get a young and, it's not like games <laughs> video game websites where you could just keep employing younger people who don't have any uh anything else going on in their lives except uh their job and and pay them nothing to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the, the exploitative entry-level rung uh or you just exactly. keep watching them through but yeah that does stop holding true um pretty pretty quickly across certainly something like f1 um so and I don't think the the testing analogy really holds because like a lot of teams back in the day would do testing at local facilities, right? Yeah. Like it's not like you were it, it, a big difference between like going down to Magello or like out to Jerez for testing, as opposed to okay, now you're bouncing along the 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 uh, like the South Pacific. That's nuts, right? Friends Toss, by the way, is the team boss of uh, Alpha Tauri. Um, and I'm kind of like, okay, this, anyone unhappy with the 23 race calendar should go. Uh, I, I get it. Okay. That's fine. But I'll take this, uh, this quote here from, uh, Hazel Southwell, uh, motorsport reporter uh, on Twitter. You will not get the best of the best in F1. If you make the jobs impossible to do, you'll get whoever is willing to do it and probably not for very long. Yeah. Very accurate. Nailed it. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, another team, Alfa Romeo. What's the scuttlebutt around this team? Yeah, the surface a couple places. Uh, it gets a little complicated just because of the different like financial instruments being used to hold the paper on Alfa Romeo. But the long and short <laughs> of it is uh, that Andretti Autosport appears to be buying a controlling stake in the company that controls uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, Ilero Investments, uh, I think, is the is the name of the firm, but uh, and Andretti's uh, sort of been frank about the desire and interest in getting into F one. Uh, it would serve the company's uh, you know interests pretty clearly. Uh, there's also an interesting angle here where this could also be seen as a way to maybe speed the entree of uh, North American open-wheel talent into F1, namely Colton Herta, mm. uh, who drives for Andretti uh, into, into the sport. But I had... It's weird. I had no idea Andretti Autosport was such a powerhouse. Like, yeah. you, you hear the name week after week, but you don't realize that, like, the Andretti team is one of the top teams in Indy. They've got a pretty serious uh, IMSA endurance racing program. Um, got, We're in Extreme E. Pardon? They're in Extreme E, the uh, electric off-road series. Yeah, uh, supercars. And I, bet, and I bet they have like better name, like just the brand on its own as well. I bet is 
worth a lot outside of that, you know, uh, more so than most other teams in like Indy and NASCAR. It's also so weird because it's Michael running all these things. And in my head, there's still part of me. It's like, isn't he kind of the fuck up, son? Like, I, I, I know he had a really accomplished career, but also, like, my image of Michael is still, like, oh, yeah, kind of the hot-headed, uh, less talented Mario. Uh, but as a captain of industry, uh, doing well, it does look like uh, Andretti is poised to take over take over Alpha. You know who else also races for uh, Andretti? Now. The Phoenix oh. shall rise. Romain Grosjean. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's coming back, baby. No, he's back not. In that he, seat. Loves, he loves it. He loves his RV too much. He doesn't That's want right. it. He's the Phoenix. The Phoenix does not go back into the flames, which is F1 is the flames. Yeah. He is, he is out. You may recall the people that pulled him out of those flames. Uh, one Dr. Ian Roberts, uh, who was driven to the scene of Grosjean's crash by one uh, Alan Vandermeer. Both of them were not at Turkey this weekend because they have COVID. Um, apparently, they caught it separately. They weren't together, but uh, they both, uh, yeah, had to had to uh, bow out. And I think the Formula E um, medical team and driver came in, okay, uh, to replace them. Um, but on Twitter, <laughs> they were like, "Wow, these cars are going really fast. We got to keep up." <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, uh, Alan Vandermeer uh, admitted he is not vaccinated. Quote, I'll avoid the very small but non-zero risks of a vaccine for now until the data suggests that it'll be advantageous to me and others if it ever does. Oh, no. He's this guy. Oh, no. No. But is he so is he a now I need to know, is he a medical? Is he a medical professional? He drives the medical car. Okay, So he's he's medical adjacent. He picked up a few things in Formula 3, I'm sure. Back when <laughs> the autosport article you pulled here, Drew. Yeah, he's a former race car driver who didn't quite make the grade. Um, and so he drives okay. a medical car. Yeah, so like, he sits near a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I th- hmm. Um, hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, I fe- again, I feel like if you want to hold that thought and never leave your house... That's fine. But if you are engaging in society, especially if you're like part of a medical car, like, come on, man. No, yeah, I think the other I think thing is Chain, Bear has it, Chain Bear has it right here. He says, I don't know, man, in the middle of a pandemic, maybe he shouldn't be doing a medical role in a globe trotting sport. <laughs> it's so silly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and as this article from Autosport points out, proof of vaccination is currently required for entry to Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And it's understood that it will be necessary for access to the red zone paddock area in Abu Dhabi. So unless something changes, he's not going to the last three races. Also, let's not, you know, wash over the fact that he doesn't have a vaccine and he got COVID. <laughs> uh, this is his second time. Hey, man. If it, yeah, um, he's fine. He's, he's got fine. all these good antibodies. Exactly. And he's mm-hmm. just like, what does he need? As he pointed out in his thread, you know, in Switzerland... You got COVID. That's like being vaccinated. So you're you're good to rock and roll. Uh, the other thing that I this whole discourse of like, hey, I'm just watching the data and uh, I'm doing my own research. Yeah, and it's like, uh, first of all, we actually do have a lot of data out there, and the vaccines are 
pretty damn safe. And they're rolling out more and more of them and more treatments. Uh, by the way, the COVID pill, uh, you heard about this, that Merck is accelerating uh, as a treatment for COVID once you've got it. Uh, uh-huh. Sounds like crazy cool. Um, like they're rushing it through approval because it was so effective that they were like, it's immoral if we don't uh, actually speed this to deployment. But th- th- this whole notion of like, oh man, you don't know what you're sticking in your body. Bro, we know it's been a year. Like we, it's been a year and like hundreds of millions of doses. We we know what the risks are. You're an idiot. The uh the, the somebody sent me a video of like it was a like a not a BBC but some some uh, local television thing of um when they brought in the seatbelt mandate and like interviewing like taxi drivers and truckers oh, and really? people and they're all like oh well i'm just gonna wait and see i think they might kill more people than it's just like this <laughs> Dude, is just like humanity this in is my driver's always gonna class, be yeah, yeah in my driver's ed class when they brought like ages ago when they brought in a trucker to tell, tell us about like safe driving and everything <laughs> um always take always take your no dose kids no uh <laughs> she even said like i'm a seatbelt agnostic I think sometimes they kill you. Sometimes they save you. Right. Who can yeah. say if they're good or bad? And the teacher <laughs> class was like, no, they're good. Uh, kids, that's that's all well and good, but like you should wear your seatbelt. She's and- just doing her own, her own research. You know, it doesn't matter that in the sort of decades after that, that there has not been a sort of wave of seatbelt related well, what, what what are what's data next to some really cool urban legends, uh, Danny? Yeah. <laughs> did you hear about the girl who was wearing a seatbelt and it cut her in half? Huh, dude? There's a story. Oh God, do I tell this story? My my buddy, a uh, friend of mine, was in college in a town called Carlo, and they had they would do these driver safety things because most crashes were happening with like sort of that age of person in Ireland. So they, I remember at my college, they did like, they put up a bunch of like cars that were like flipped over and stuff like in the parking lot, like with like signs and stuff it was all like awareness. But there was this guy who came in to do a presentation for them in this, in this college thing. And he was talking about the importance of not just wearing seatbelts, but wearing seatbelts properly. And he said, here, there's a problem where people put them under the arm. You know what I mean? Where it goes like under, like your shoulder, yeah, it's mm-hmm. supposed to go over. It'll go under in this way. And of course, he wasn't speaking like me. He was speaking like he was from Ireland. And he said, girls, especially for you, make sure you put it on proper. Because if you're in a crash, bye bye titties. <laughs> There you go. Driver's Ed is Driver's Ed around the world. Exactly. It's it's the same person. It's the same person giving it. Yeah. Just a different accent. All right. Let's take it to fantasy standings, shall we? Uh, From Turkey, our top three look like... By the way, if you want to join the Fantasy League, you can do so with the uh, the link and the uh, code in the show notes. Probably not going to win by this day. (laughs) Unless you really (laughs) got a crystal ball or something. Yeah. Just uh, get in there for, uh, for next season, maybe. Uh, from America in third, Bankbo Safe House. Mm. Uh, from the UK in uh, tied for first, we have um, <laughs> thumbs down emoji. No mercs allowed. Thumbs down emoji. Whoa. Uh, and from the United States, tied for first, Hyundai Sunoda. Okay. Very good. Uh, but overall, the standings look like this from Canada. Kiss my Botas. So, uh, Happy still, Thanksgiving. Wow. To whom it may concern, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Canada, Ben Van Vilnuve. 
And from Australia, in first, Turkish delights out and away we go. Nice. Wow. That's good. I'd love a wow. Turkish delight. I haven't had one of those in forever. It's a weird, it's a weird sweet. A little rose water. Uh, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe convinced so many kids that like Turkish Delight would just be the banger of like candies. Uh, And so many kids got a rude awakening when they realized what that was. Uh, It's a strange one. Uh, All right, let's take it to some quick emails here. You can hit us up at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Take it away, Danny. Yeah, uh, I won't read it out today, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Phil uh, for the very long uh, email. Maybe we'll keep it for a different day on the his experience at the Turkish Grand Prix, where there was some pretty bad, like, crowd crushing stuff um, after the race. I'd love to read that, honestly, if we can, because, like, this has always been the issue with Turkey. All right, let me jump into it. Just because between that and and and, and Coda coming up this weekend, and we had a lot of people basically asking a lot of Coda questions. There's one for you, Drew. Um, Circuit of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Not sorry, not this weekend. The next weekend. Um, let, let, let's just do this. Then we'll focus on these for this week. Um, okay. So yeah, do you want me to read says, it since Shif- it's a long one? What say? Do you want me to read it since it's a long one? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Hello, Shift F1 crew, long-time listener, first-time emailer. I wanted to write in to describe the experience of watching Sunday's race at the Istanbul Park to you and your listeners and to give them a warning of why they should never come to Istanbul Park to watch any form of racing. On Saturday night, I received the surprise of a Sunday race ticket from my incredible girlfriend. As we live about two and a half hours away from the venue, I didn't think too much about how I travel there and on Sunday morning left five hours before the race began. As I approached the circuit, you could see there were serious issues with gaining access to the venue. The main road into the park was gridlocked with several drivers abandoning their cars on the road so they did not miss the start of the race. The journey via bus, which should have taken about an hour, took three and a half for me. Unfortunately, the bus I was on was forced to stop about two kilometers from the race circuit due to the driver being assaulted by people on the bus as well as others trying to smash the doors of the bus to get off and run to the circuit. I felt incredibly sorry for the many stewards who decided to stay on their posts and were trying their best. However, others clearly were not. As I approached the entrance, I asked a steward what the best way into the track was. He was helpful and began following me to the track. After a few minutes, the steward took his orange jacket off and told me (laughs) he was going to find his brother, who were stewarding inside, and was going to watch the race, leaving a key roundabout outside the venue, unmanned, where he and his colleagues were supposed to be directing traffic. As I entered the circuit, many of the issues outside were present. VIP pass holders who were allowed to bring cars inside the outer track had abandoned their cars, meaning the buses shuttling people around the circuit found it incredibly difficult to get around. Thankfully, I arrived at my section, turns 3, 4, and 5, around lap 18, and enjoyed the the battle between Hamilton and Perez and saw Vettel slip off track when he tried to slick tires. However, once the racing finished, the real fun for fans began. Upon trying to leave the venue, the organizers decided they would release the cars of VIP pass holders who had parked in the designated zones inside the circuit into 100,000 fans trying to leave the track. This caused significant issues as the VIP fans tried to force their way out of the venue. As I began to walk back to the entry, I was clipped by one of these drivers trying to push their way out. Jeez. Sadly, the organizers thought the best way for everyone to leave the circuit on foot was by one entry exit gate that they were only allowing a small number of people to leave every few minutes by a small gate. Note, you can see this the first link. Uh, film included uh, a couple videos uh, showing, showing what was going on there on, on the day of. Uh, back to Phil. Or alternatively, crossing two very narrow bridges to get to the exit. 
As people began to get crushed, people armed with nothing but road signs brought down a 10-foot fence designed to ensure that people could only exit by these very narrow bridges. Chaos ensued as people began to spill out onto the circuit into live traffic to get out. I am very surprised there were no severe injuries resulting in the poor organization of the track owners. Upon exiting the venue, the police and stewards had seemingly given up trying to control the crowds and traffic, and the resulting scrum had in the resulting scrum in trying to get onto public transport away from the venue left every man, woman, uh, presumably child, to fend for themselves. <laughs> uh, thankfully for myself, I was able to get on a bus heading north- northwards, uh, whereas the majority of the traffic was heading westwards and took me about five hours to get home. The entire experience has left me with an incredibly bad taste in my mouth. Whilst the FIA is not responsible for the management of the track on race day, simple things such as having FIA COVID guidance on uh, at the track in English only when a majority of the spectators speak Turkish uh, as their main language is unacceptable. The organizers simply are not up to the job of keeping that many people safe, and once you leave the premises, you are on your own. But please, buy our $20 commemorative mouse pad to remember your time here. On the journey back, I was thinking about the conversation you had about supporting the sport while, while it visits an ever longer list of autocratic countries. Everything about the sport is sadly driven by money. Uh, while seeing it up close and personal has long been a bucket list item of mine, having this experience sadly reflects where I feel it's heading. I will continue to watch, but at a much further distance. Um, P.S. The most talented person at the circuit by far is the helicopter camera operator and pilot. The moves oh, they were man. having to pull off were more astonishing than the racing happening on the track, uh, which is true. The, the, the helo camera work has just gotten more incredible over the years. I remember... So, Istanbul always had... Uh, like poor sales in part and poor attendance figures in part because the rap on it was a weirdly inaccessible circuit. Yeah. I had never heard all this shit where like, it sounds like maybe there's accessibility issues, but also it sounds like the Jesus take the wheel approach to like handling the crowd and flow into the circuit uh, makes all of it makes a difficult problem impossible. Um, and yeah, that is, <laughs> that that is one of the things the FAI should probably should care more about is what experience are people having uh, when they when they go to these things. Uh, I think this helped kill Korea as well, just sort of poor organization, poor management. But um, it seems unlikely we're going to go back to Turkey anytime soon. Um, but this is kind of a this is kind of, this story kind of typifies what went wrong with what's otherwise a pretty outstanding venue. Yeah, I wonder. So to be to have F1 cars at your circuit, you need to be graded as a grade one track by the FIA. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what sort of uh, bullet points you have to hit um, to be a grade one track. But I wonder if there aren't logistical considerations like this, maybe there should be, you know. It's it's unfortunate. I kind of like alluded to it last week, but I, I didn't want to dwell on it because I think it's unfair for me to cast broad brushes. But I was saying that like, you know, especially as a European like soccer fan, for instance, like whenever I go to like games on the continents or things like that, there were certain like places that you knew that type of aspect of the sport was going to be handled better than others. And, uh, you know, I have. I wish we had, I wish we Gurk was here or someone, you know, who could talk to our uh, Turkish friend who, who did the MotoGP podcast with us back before, but like to, to, to speak to this, but like it's when you talk to Turkish people about this type of stuff, like getting on flights or like any type of like organizational thing, this type of thing isn't outside of the realm of possibility. You know what I mean? If I was going to a Galatasaray game, for instance, I'd have a different, uh, you know, uh, anticipation for how it might play out than if I was going to a, 
you know Manchester United game right and that's I I don't like br- painting broad brushes but as a European you sort of have that type of like you know you're 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 less surprised in some places than others so i was gutted to hear this because when i was reading his email at the start i was like oh i hope you had a good time at istanbul it's such a great circuit but it maybe is a bit unsurprising that this type of like hands-off approach to running a one-off sporting event you know what i mean it's not even like a mm-hmm. soccer game would be a game on every weekend this is kind of probably the biggest thing that's happened at istanbul park probably hiring a lot of people for the first time in a long well apart from last year you know so absolutely bummer to hear that um but also yeah i think f1 will know the tracks where this is more likely to happen and like if you were to give me a list at the start of the year of the tracks we'd worry about crowd congestion or crowd control like for it i totally would have like said oh i wonder if they've got a good handle on turkey because that it's just the culture there is different like for a lot of this the expectations different and um, if you're a, a, a listener from turkey i would love to hear what you would have to say about that as well because um i think it's uh, it's a it's a part of this sport that we don't often talk about is that they're in different countries with different expectations and different styles of doing things. Like the races are very form formatted in the way that they're run, but the people doing it are worlds apart from each other. Um, let's continue on the the attending a Grand Prix um, tack here. Uh, this I don't see this is signed, oh, yeah, but I'll so. just read it. Um. I'm going to my first Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas and have no idea how this works. I have tickets at turn 15, but that's all I know. Can I somehow listen to the broadcast? How early can I get there? Is there a place to see drivers enter? Uh, Besides sitting and watching in my seats, are there other parts of the track I should see? That is from Ryan. Um, Yeah, so Danny, you and I went to the Circuit of the Americas together. Yes. Um, in 2016. That was like a long time ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. I So my recommendations for actually visiting a Grand Prix, uh, and this will be, you know, informed by my experience at uh, the Circuit of the Americas. Um, so I don't exactly know how transferable it'll be. But um, so you, if you've got three day passes, um I'd say worth checking out at least qualifying day. And, you know, they have free practice three on, on that Saturday as well, just to kind of get a lay of the land. So that you know when you're going to, um, or when you show up kind of where to go, where where your seats are, where to to park. If you're driving, I would say the driving there is good. The parking rather is, is decent. Yeah, you can get there pretty early. Uh, I I think on the if it's not on the F one website, then the Circuit of the Americas website I think has generally some breakdowns of like here's when the gates open. Here's like like they have times for everything. Here's when the Porsche Super Cup happens. Um, I don't know where you would see the drivers enter. I know you may be on the lookout for like media time or fan zone or whatever. Um, they may have uh, like fan signings and things like that. We didn't really seek that stuff out when we were there. I remember there was some stuff happening at the like paddock, but we just never went down. Like okay. specific times where they you could kind of see people doing signings or something, but it was a bit far for us, I think. So we didn't we didn't head down there. Yeah, it's it's a big place. Yeah. Uh, you know, make sure you've got uh, you know sunscreen, um, uh, good shoes cap. Uh, that you're gonna you're Wear gonna be standing cap. in lines. Yeah, ball cap. Um, 
save some time for buying food and or uh, very expensive hats <laughs> um, at the at the merch booth. But in terms of actually watching the race, go in knowing that you're only seeing a sliver of the track. And so even if you do have a in some parts like the, the big sections will generally have um, a big TV screen so you can see the broadcast. It's difficult and they have loudspeakers, but it's difficult to hear exactly what's going on. What I did um, was I downloaded the, I think it's just the Formula One app. Yeah, And you may that. have to subscribe to some service uh, that Formula One has. I remember it being like a couple bucks um, just for the, um, that you, you can sign up just for that day and then cancel it. Uh, but that would that will allow you through that F1 app to listen to, I think it's the BBC Radio broadcast i wonder if race. now it's this, just the sky one because they have to be, deal with f1 tv yeah it might just be that uh, as well but there is i at least at the time there was a way to listen to the radio through uh, a phone app do you remember they also um, sold headphones do you remember there was like oh that's right they were expensive though they were it was like I, I i think you were buying them i think you were buying them for like if i'm ahead it was like 150 dollars or something and you could have headphones that just had the same broadcast thing like Okay. sent to them I, I think you kept them as well i'm not i can't remember but that was okay if if you can't do the app thing then maybe consider that at least for one person in your party so what i did yeah. was i was the one listening to the radio and i would kind of relay like here's what happened on the other <laughs> side of the track um that app also gives you kind of um it'll give you text readouts of everything said over the radio um yeah, so with with those sorts of things, you can kind of it like it takes some effort to piece together what's actually going on in in the race. Um, and and if you just want to sit and like watch race cars go by, um, I guess you don't need that. Uh, especially if you're you're finding that you can glean more information than than uh, than I did from the from the TV screen. But I, I found that to be to be vital in in knowing what was going on. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say seeing the cars in person. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. In terms of other stuff to do at the track, there's not like a million and one things to do at Coda otherwise, to be honest. Like, I think you can have a look at the track from other parts of, you know, you can walk around a lot and see the, the track so you can enjoy some of the support races at different parts of the track. Um, the, I didn't do it cause I'm, I don't like heights, but Drew and the guys went up that oh, big yeah. thing. What's it called? The, whatever it is, the. They have like a viewing platform. The Freedom Tower yeah, or something I, like I, that. I, I like just remember. like stuck in the middle of the track. The big red thing with the the streaks going down it. Um you can did you take an elevator? Sure you took an elevator. You didn't walk up there. Yeah. 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 It is an elevator. It's a bit of a line, but yeah, That's not where a friend, one thing. The uh, engine mimic uh was, right? Oh. He was he was up there by the mic <laughs> making oh, yeah. the noises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh man, you could also go to the the concert. Is there one? They're uh, doing one. Oh yeah. Who is it? Yep, it's Billy Joel and Twenty One Pilots. Wow, there you go. Fucking yeah. We got we had Taylor Swift. I I I think we won out on that one. Taylor yeah, Swift we, was we great. Out. And Austin's a great town. We had a lot of emails from people asking if we we're doing a meetup or anything. Sadly, we won't be at the race, but uh, well, we did a meetup. I remember we did a meetup at um, what was it? Cato's Ale House or something? We did a did a a meetup there, mm. and the whole bar was full of Shift F One people, which was great because yeah. a lot of them were like people from our like giant bomb video game website days and then a lot of people who had no idea about any of that so it was just like you know age range gender range it was just all over the place it was awesome 
Yeah. They call that thing the observation deck. Observation deck. Big tower. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's emails. Shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. If you have some like last minute stuff, I guess you could hit us up on Twitter as well. I'll, I'll try to be, uh, um, attentive to that uh, if you've got specific austin gp questions again it was five years ago so i don't exactly have like you know bar <laughs> recommendations or or things like that but yeah austin's austin's good get some uh get some get some barbecue what was the name of that place some- there was that one spot that did really good god damn it there's, there's so much good food in austin oh man kolashis Kol- kolashis i don't know yeah if you find a place with that with those good stuff um yeah, circuitoftheamericas.com looks to have a a uh, a schedule for um for the race day. Looks like parking lots open at 8:30. Oh, 8 o'clock on Sunday. That's too yeah. early. The traffic into that was better than most big sporting events I've been to because it's fairly outside Austin. It's not too close oh, to Oh, you got airport. W series as well. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, two races. Man. Wait a minute. Not only it's not Okay, 21 Pilots is on Friday. Saturday is Billy Joel. Sunday, Cool in the Gang. Whoa, okay. Man, yeah. they got three gigs? We only got one, I thought. That's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, that is it for emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter, ShiftF1Podcast. At G- um, nope, that's uh, that's an email. Um, uh, at ShiftF1Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer. And that is at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Let's race around the world. Yeah. The World Rally Championship is in Salo, Spain for the Rally de España. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Fort Worth, Texas at the Texas Motor Speedway for the Andes Frozen Custard 335. Oh, my God. Do you get to drink the custard when you're done, when you win the race? I, yeah, the, nice, like jug, the, like, the milk jug full of custard, and yeah, that's right, Danny. You just kind of eat it out. Yeah, yep. Uh, can you imagine? It's handcuffed to a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of two wheeled excitement. Uh, MotoGP is at the Misano World Circuit. Marco Simoncelli. The World Superbike Championship is at Autodrome. Uh, whoa, Villisum, Villisum in San Juan, Argentina. Mm. The Motocross Grand Prix is at Madrid Xanadu, Xanadu. for the MXGP oh of Spain. They call it Xanadu. <laughs> um, the FIA World Rally Cross Championship is at uh, uh, P- Pisa Automovel de Montalegre for the World Rally Cross of Portugal. Super Formula is at Twin Ring Motegi. Oh. I think this. Love it. Is uh, is accurate. Love that twin. Um, which Daniel have you know is in the Tochigi Prefecture. Classic Prefecture. And we got NASCAR. Where are we going? Is there going to be custard? I love that custard. Probably because it's at the same Texas Motor Speedway. We are racing the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. It's my favorite. It's where I live in Los Angeles. Can't wait. <laughs> We're gonna no. we're, we're doing the dirt thing this time, but with custard, it's gonna be real <laughs> shit show. It's an, it's an automotive NASCAR race. Maybe <laughs> switch things up. Uh, all right, 
Final thoughts from this weekend. We'll be back next week, of course, with uh, the pre-Circuit of the Americas show. But yeah, final thoughts on Turkey Danny. Istanbul's a great track. It's a good time. It's great to see the... It was great to... I was actually going to say it was great to see the crowds. Uh, they were packed. There was a really good atmosphere. It's a shame about what happened afterwards, obviously, but... Um, or And before. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's been fun going back there. Like you said, we probably won't be back, maybe, in the you know medium to long-term future. But it did, its, it did a great pinch hitting for f1 when when it when we really needed good tracks so it was awesome to be back there but i for one i'm excited for the north slash south let's say the americas the americas mm. section of the circuits of the americas. the various circuits of the americas i'm very excited for that shame we don't have canada but uh you know maybe That's next true. year final thoughts rob yeah uh good race i hope they can bring turkey back at, in, in some form of the future without just continuing to uh <laughs> flog f1 team members to the bones uh but yeah it was a great race um and honestly like botas called it maybe the best rate win of his career i have to agree uh flawless drive tough conditions if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official shift f1 discord you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift f1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week meow yeah.